If you have your Bibles, I want you to take them to the book of 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter number 2. 1 Kings chapter number 2. And I want to preach to you on this thought today, how to break your mother's heart. Well, I hope none of you would want to break your mother's heart, but that's what I'm going to give you, a cautionary tale as to how to break your mother's heart. 1 Kings chapter number 2 and verse number 5. Let me set up the scene as we'll just read one verse of Scripture. Keep your Bible handy. We're going to turn to a, a lot of different places as we look at this story. But in this scene here, David the great king is dying. And David is at his side, has his son uh, Solomon by his side, and he is telling Solomon some final things that need to be taken care of before David dies. And so one of these things is contained in 1 Kings chapter number 2 and verse number 5. David is speaking to his son Solomon and says, Moreover, thou knowest also what Joab the son of Zariah did to me, and what he did to the two captains of the hosts of Israel, unto Abner the son of Ner, unto Amasai the son of Jether, whom he slew and shed the blood of war in peace, and put the blood of war upon his girdle that was about his loins, and in his shoes that were on his feet. Do therefore according to thy wisdom, and let not his whore head go down to the grave in peace. Let not his whore head, what that whore head means is that whitened hair, hoary hair in the, in the King James references that, that graying hair on the side of men's head, or in women's for that matter, but these days they color it, and so you'd never know. But anyway, uh, it's that gray hair. And David is telling his son, don't you let him live anymore, take him down to the grave. I want to talk to you this morning on how to break your mother's heart. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Father, I pray that you would, even now, begin to deal with our hearts. God, take your word as we follow the story of Joab, this one young man that had such promise that could have been used of God so greatly in the kingdom of his uncle, and now in his dying days, how his own uncle put out a judgment of execution upon Joab. What went wrong? God, I pray you would help us to see how a mother's heart is broken over the story of Joab. And let not that same story be played out in the life of any person in this room. God, I pray that you would give us heavenly eyes, Holy Spirit guided eyes to see the truth of the gospel, the grand picture of God's word and the gospel and God, I pray that those that don't know the Lord Jesus would come and know Him. And those that do would thank God for a godly mother and would seek to honor that by honoring and loving the Lord Jesus. Father, we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. There was a story in the Knoxville News Central uh, Sentinel about Police Chief Philip Keith. He was in the middle of a city council meeting in Knoxville, Tennessee. And as he sat there, his pager, this takes you back to the 90s, his pager went off at the middle of the meeting and he looked down and he saw it was his mother calling. 
Flahi, thinking it was some kind of emergency, hopped up from the table in the middle of the proceedings and ran to the phone, called his mother and said, Mother, what's the problem? And, he, and when, when he talked to his mother, these are the first words she said. Philip Keith, are you chewing gum? Demanded his mother. He said, uh, yes, ma'am. When it looks awful, spit it out. <laughs> well, you know, Keith definitely, dutifully was re removed his gum and went back to the meeting. You know, uh, you don't care, I don't care how old you get. I don't care if you're the president of the United States or you're the chief of police or the mayor of a town. Your mom is always still going to be your mom. You will always, in their eyes, be her little baby, her little child. It doesn't matter if you're 8, 18, 38, or 58. To your mother, you're always going to be her little baby. And being a mama's baby, the last thing that you would want to do, the last thing that you would ever conceive in your mind is wanting to break your mother's heart. But that may be the case this morning. That may be the case of some in this room, and no doubt that is the case of many in this community, in this city, and around this world. They are breaking their mother's heart. They're breaking it in two ways. They're breaking it in their mother's heart because number one, they don't love Jesus, and number two, they don't follow Jesus. Now, for a majority of us here today who have a godly mother, there is nothing that pains her heart more than the fact that you haven't been, you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, and you're not living for the glory of God in your life. But I want you to know this morning that you're not the only one that has done that. As a matter of fact, in this book, in the Old Testament, in the book of 2 Samuel and 1 Kings, we see a person that I believe did exactly that. By the end of his life, all of his days, by the time he comes to the end of his life, there is no doubt that this man broke his mother's heart. You see, Joab was the son of Zariah. As a matter of fact, it was mentioned in our text in verse number 5. Joab, the son of Zariah. And so here in our text, David is on his deathbed, and he's about to die, and he's telling his son, the heir to the throne, Solomon, he says, the last thing you do, I want you to make sure that Joab meets his maker in violence. I want you to take care of him. I don't want him to go to the grave in peace. I want him to go by a violent death. I mean, it almost seems like a mob hit, doesn't it? It almost seems like, a, you know, the guy from The Godfather said, hey, I want you to take this guy out. It almost seems like he's putting out a, a hit on Joab. Why would David, on his deathbed, make such a request of his own son? Why would he ask, that this execution be performed. I mean, if you study the scriptures and look at the life of Joab, you will find that Joab was King David's right-hand man. You read the, you trace Joab through the Bible. Joab was David's right-hand man. Joab was actually the one who led the fight. He was David's general, and he led the fight to take Jerusalem, to make Jerusalem 
the city of David, like David's capital city, the city of Jerusalem. And so, so David could set up his, his capital city. Joab led David's army in victory over the Amorites and the Edomites. But by the end of David's life, he tells his son, I want you to make sure you kill General Joab. Seems like David ought to be commending Joab rather than condemning and killing Joab. How could you go from being the high general to the hit list? Well, you see, just like Joab, every person in this room today has the potential of going from a mother's pride and joy to a mother's sorrowful heartbreak. And I believe in following the biblical accounts of General Joab that we can see how this is done. So I want you to look at his life and I want to show you several lessons on how you can surely break your mother's heart. Number one, I want you to see first of all a fleeting loyalty to the king. A fleeting loyalty to the king. Now, there was a point in the life of Joab where at least outwardly Joab expressed a loyalty to King David but that was all the whole problem to begin with is that Joab had an outward allegiance but not an inward one he didn't buy in on everything about David but he put on a front so as to be shown one to be loyal but from every vantage point, at least from the outside, he looked like he was on David's team. He looked like he was the one, he was one that recognized David as king. He bowed to his lordship. He adhered to his kingship. But on the inside, nothing could be further from the truth. Now let's think about his fleeting loyalty. I want you to think, first of all, of a relational allegiance, a relational allegiance. Now, Notice, first of all, we see where this whole... Brother Ronnie, where does this whole breaking a mother's heart come from? Well, this is where it comes into play. Zariah, that's mentioned in verse number 5, David puts out a hit on Joab, and, and he says it's the son of Zariah. Well, the son of Zariah does not mean Joab's father. It's actually referring to Joab's mother. Why would usually in the Bible you find the father reference? Why would he reference the mother? It's because Zorah, uh, Zorah was David's sister. Think about it. Zorah was Jesse's daughter, David's sister. So that would make Joab David's nephew. You see, there's a family connection here. More than likely, Zorah was there. When King David, when David was anointed king, you know the story? How that Samuel came to the house of Jesse, God told him that there's a king there, I'm going to anoint one of his sons. And so he goes and looks at all those different sons. No doubt Zorah was puzzled as he looked at Eliab and God said no and he looked at all the other brothers and no and, and well surely there's only one son left. I imagine Zorah saw, oh that's David. 
That's little David. He's out there with the, with the sheep. You remember the story? How that they had to send for David? And David comes in. I imagine Zorai watched as David ran into the presence of Samuel, sweat beaming off of his, uh, pouring from his face. And Samuel forces him to bow. And he takes that anointing oil and begins to pour it on his head. And all of a sudden, the family begins to rejoice that their youngest son, David, is going to be king. Can you imagine how Zora's heart began to flutter inside of her as she realizes that her brother, her brother is going to be the next king of Israel. What a happy day! I'm sure as Zariah, his sister, as she progresses in her life, she gets married, she's probably troubled and worried about David as he runs from Saul, the present king. Remember how Saul tried to kill him? And I imagine Zerah just prayed prayers, Oh God, protect David, my brother. Restore him to his rightful throne. I'm sure Zariah, when she married, she had that baby boy in her arms. And she looked at him, and she maybe said to herself, Little Joab, you're going to be a great help to my brother the king. You're going to be a great part of this kingdom. Yes, David is the king. I'm sure as a little boy, David would come by. Maybe he wasn't yet, uh, what hadn't yet ascended to the throne. And, and the mother would say, Joab, look, you see that young man over there? That's my brother David. He's going to be the king one day. You need to love him. Whatever he tells you to do, you need to do it now. Look at him. He's going to be the king someday. Whatever King David says to do, I want you to do. King David loves you. He loves his family. And he loves you. You're part of his family. And so you need to obey the king. You need to follow the king. Whatever the king wants, you need to do for him. You need to love the king all your life. One day you'll be a part of what he's doing for our nation. She taught her little son to love the king. Now, truth be known, we're not in the farthest reaches of the Middle East right here, are we? We're, 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 not, we're not in the jungles of Southeast Asia. We don't live in a predominantly pagan country right now. More than likely, if we were to play the odds here this morning, more than likely, you have a godly mother. You have a godly, or, or maybe a godly grandmother. You had that womanly influence in your life that pointed you to Jesus. Maybe she took you to Sunday school. Maybe she made sure every morning... Every Sunday morning you got dressed in your little, in your little church clothes and, and she made sure that you went to Sunday school where a faithful Sunday school teacher would tell you about Jesus and, and then that mother would set you beside her in the church and, and she'd make sure, did everything she could to make sure that you paid attention uh, to the preacher as he, as he talked about Jesus. and she, She'd do her best to encourage you to listen to what he says about Jesus. She herself live for Jesus. You watched her pray. You watched her read her Bible. You watched her go to church. You watched her and her relationship with the Lord. She talked about it all the time. Her ups and downs of trying to follow Jesus and love Him. You see, that's what she wants from you. That relation. That's what Joab had there. He had this relational allegiance. But the truth be known is that Religion may be passed down, but salvation can't be. There's a lot of cultural religion that's being passed around and passed off as if it's genuine faith in Christ. 
It may look from the outside like relational. It may look like they're part of the family from the outside, but the reality is there's no true loyalty to the king. There's no true love for the king. Think about what one preacher said. It doesn't matter so much your mother's religion to be your religion. It matters that your mother's redeemer be your redeemer. That's what's important. Notice not only a relational allegiance, but a rational acceptance. Let's just think logically for a second. There are some things that if we went back 20, 30 years ago before David made this death sentence, made this command of execution on Joab, that if we were to ask Joab, that he would have fully acknowledged. He would have agreed that David was the rightful king. 20, 30 years ago, before this, before this hit was put out or this execution judgment was put out, Joab would have said, my mama told me this. My mama said she saw Samuel come in there and anoint David. She knows that he, he knew that she, that uh, he knew that by his mama who witnessed the whole event that he was the king. He was the rightful king. He was supposed to have been king. He would have agreed that David uh, was, set, was sent to save the people of Israel for the Philistines. I'm sure maybe Zariah come in excited one day and, and little Joab, what's wrong, Mama? What's, what's going on? You would not believe it, Joab. Little David went out on the battlefield and just with a sling, he defeated Goliath. You should have seen it, little Joab. Oh, my. She would have been, oh, no. Joab would have said, no, no, no. David was sent by God to deliver them from the Philistines. He would have agreed that David was the rightful king. Nobody else should have sat on that throne. I dare say that many of you in here this morning, if I were to sit you down and ask you these rational questions, you'd fully agree. If I were to ask you, do you believe that Jesus is the virgin-born Son of God? Yeah, I, I, I believe that. I believe that's true. Do you believe that, uh, uh, that uh, Jesus uh, came into this world and lived a sinless life? I don't know about what those college people says up there, but I, I, I think that's so. I mean, if He was God's Son, then, uh, then He must have lived a holy life. He can't live an unholy life. Uh, do you believe that Jesus performed miracles? Oh, there's too much proof, Brother Ronnie. I, I believe Jesus performed miracles. Oh, there's too much, too much in history to say that He wasn't a miracle. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross? Why, Brother Ronnie? Of course He did. I mean, that's, that's a fact down through. What about raising from the grave? Well, of course, all that you, you yourself have brought the historical accounts of, of how apologetically something happened in that tomb. Somebody moved that stone. Somebody came out of that grave and was seen of 500 people at one time. Somebody, that was Jesus. I believe that, Brother Ronnie. I believe that he was raised from the grave. Do you believe Jesus is coming back? Well, the way this world is going, Brother Ronnie, I. I sure can't help but think Jesus has got to come back sometime in the, in the near future. I, I, yeah, I believe that. And at least with your head and with your mouth, you would say all the right things. But the truth of the matter is, when it comes to your heart, when it comes to the inwardmost part on the inside, you live in rebellion. All those things might be true but I'm going to do what I want to do. 
I'm going to conduct my life. I'm going to direct my life. I'm going to take the path in my life that is most pleasing to me. And it's in complete opposition to what would be affirmed by your mouth. If Jesus is God's Son and He was died on the cross for sins and He was raised from the grave, how in the world, if you wholeheartedly lay hold of that, how in the world can you say, I'm just going to live my life the way I choose? No doubt Joab had a rational acceptance. He would have told you the right answers. Also, Joab had a radical activity. Joab even displayed radical activity. You, you see, the one thing that Joab was always up for was a fight. Joab loved to fight. He was a man bathed in violence. I heard a preacher say one time he was, he was coming at a, to an associational meeting and uh, a lot of the other preachers before him were giving testimony. And they were saying, we're just fighting the good fight where we are, you know, living for the Lord, trying to, trying to do God's work. And that preacher got up there in all the honesty of his heart and saying, well, I can't say that I've been fighting the good fight, but I've been in one. <laughs> he was all the time fighting with his congregation, fighting with his deacons. He's been in a good fight. Well, that's, that was Joab. He loved getting a fight. Uh, he, he, deep down in his heart, he wanted to... He wanted to fight people. He, wanted to, he even fought for King David. He, he was leading the charge. Some of you here today, you may have enough loyalty, outward loyalty to go to church. Maybe have a, even enough outward loyalty to give an offering or sing a song or stand up and pray. Or You, you might have enough outward show about yourself that you might even perform some kind of activity that that would might identify you as being a part of a church or being a Christian, but in reality, deep down in your heart, it's only momentary. You only do it because it's an outward show. You only do it because mama, won't, mama thinks she'll do it. You only do it because daddy expects it. You only do it because the preacher expects it. That's the only reason you do this deep down in your heart. Maybe you uh, come uh, this Sunday just because Mama asked you to, but just because uh, it's Mother's Day and, and you want to bring a little smile to your mother's face, but the reality is there's no loyalty to Jesus. There's no heart for Jesus. There's no desire to follow Him. You just want to tip the hat to custom and be on your way. That's exactly what Joab did. From every outward appearance, there was a facade. It looked like allegiance. It looked like faithfulness. It looked like loyalty. But it was a fleeting loyalty. A loyalty that didn't last. Listen, a fleeting loyalty stretched over a lifetime will break your mother's heart. Will break your mother's heart. Notice, second of all, not only a fleeting loyalty to the king, but a failed love for the king. This missing affection, this... You see, Joab didn't truly love the king. You see, this is the real heart problem when it comes to Joab, is that he may have, he may have loved the kingdom, he may have loved the government, he may have loved the rule, he may have loved the power. He may have loved the, uh, the, uh, the, all the things that accompany with being a part of that, associated with the family of King David. 
He didn't love King David. He had a failing love for King David. What he portrayed outwardly was not proven inwardly. Notice, first of all, he renounced his precepts. Take your Bible and turn to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter number 3. 2 Samuel chapter number 3. We're going back in time. You imagine like a time machine. All these years going back, 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 back. Going back about 20, 30 years before David makes his final judgment on Joab. It's a different day, different time. And this was the day when Joab was employed as the general of David. Look with me at, in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 3 and look with me at verse 20. We'll read down through 21. So Abner came to David, to Hebron, and 20 men with him, and David made Abner uh, David made Abner and the men that were with him a feast. And Abner said unto David, I will arise and go. I will gather all Israel unto my lord the king, that they may make league with thee, and thou mayest reign over all thine heart desireth. David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. And you say, Brother Ronnie, Joab wasn't mentioned. I, I don't know if you forgot about what you preached. Joab wasn't, wasn't mentioned in all that. What's Joab got to do with Abner? Well, Abner was at one time the enemy of David. You see, Joab might have been the general of David, but Abner was the general of Saul. Remember Saul of Tarsus? I mean, not Saul of Tarsus, but Saul, King Saul, the Benjamite in the Old Testament. Abner was his general. And so... It was Abner's job to actually pursue David. Chase him down. Do you remember when Saul, yeah, David was anointed king, but Saul wanted Jonathan, his son, to be king. And so Saul's chasing David through the countryside, trying to kill him. Well, Abner is the spearhead of that search. He's trying to kill, trying to kill David. And see, he would have been right at the forefront of that chasing of David. But somewhere along the line, Abner had a change of heart. The Abner that once wanted to kill David, didn't want to have nothing to do with David, wanted, wanted David stamped out. And for Jonathan to be king, all of a sudden, the guy that was wanting somebody else to be king, all of a sudden saw the true king. And Abner and David brought him together. They made peace and David made a feast for him. And Abner says, King David, I fought against you, but now I'm loyal to you. I'm going to turn the hearts of all the people of Israel to you, that you might reign over all. There's not going to be any talk about Saul anymore. Saul's not the king. You're the king, David. And so I'm going to convince everybody's heart to bow a knee to you. What a picture of salvation. Isn't that what salvation is? You, you were once the enemy of Christ through your wicked words. You don't want nothing to do with them. And now there comes a day where you have a change of heart, a change of mind, and you bow to Him. You used to say, David wouldn't rule over me no more. Saul's my king. And now what a conversion. Everything changes. So he's going to go out and tell everybody about David and want everybody to bow the knee to David. That's evangelism. That's just one beggar telling another beggar where they found bread. Amen. 
But now look at verse 26 and 27 of that same chapter. And when Joab was come out from David, so this is the right after that meal, Abner leaves out, Joab's not having any of it. He sent messengers after. So Joab sent messengers after Abner, which brought him again to dwell at Shira. But David knew it not. So here's, here's, here's Joab going behind the king's back, sending messages to Abner. When Abner was returned to Hebron, so Abner made an about face, he came back. Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him quietly and smote him under the fifth rib that he died. For the blood of Ashahel, his brother, Brother Ron, what's going on? Years earlier, when Abner was the enemy of King David, he had killed Joab's brother. In his wilder days, Abner had taken the life of Joab's brother. And so Joab wanted revenge. Joab wanted to kill. David had forgiven him. He had made peace with him. And Abner was about on his way. But Joab was not going to have it. Joab's brother was killed by Abner and he wanted revenge. And so Joab could not think of anything else but killing Abner. Whereas David, whereas David Joab's king, had willingly forgiven him, Joab wanted Abner dead. For him there was no forgiveness. He said in his heart, I don't care what that king says. Abner's going to die. He killed my brother. I'm not forgiving him. I'm going to settle family business. Joab had no affection, no allegiance to the ethic or the precepts by which David lived by. You know who's been forgiven? That King David, by God. You remember the whole Bathsheba thing? You remember several, several times in his life he sought the Lord's forgiveness. David wanted to express that loving kindness from God in someone else's life. But Joab would have nothing to do with that. You say, Brother Ronnie, what's that got to do with me? King Jesus has been gracious enough to save others and to show forgiveness and those which have been saved in turn around and are to go out with the same ethic to share the same purpose and precept to others and bestow upon them forgiveness or take whatever pre you take whatever precept there is in the New Testament maybe it's the precept of what Jesus said about about being taking up being a disciple and taking up your cross and following him every day Maybe it's the precept in Scripture of guarding your tongue. Maybe it's the precept of Scripture in living a life of holiness and getting away from lust and pornography and live a life that's consecrated. Whatever the precept is, you say, Ah, I don't care what that Bible says. I don't care how it explains it. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I tell you what, you're following the same dangerous path as Joey. Joab. Nobody's going to tell me how to live my life. I'll do as I please. I'm the king of my own life. 
I don't care what the king says. I ask you, do you have a heart like Joab? There is no way that I will do that. I'm not going to follow those precepts. I'm going to pick and choose the ones that I like that are easily attained by me and that'll be enough. No. He renounced. How do you know Joab didn't have a heart tied to David? Because he renounced his precepts. I don't care what that king does. I'm going to live by my own ethic. Notice, second of all, he refused his passions. Take your Bible, 2 Samuel Chapter number 18, running down the road, a little bit of history, water under the bridge. We're going a little further. 2 Samuel 18, look at verse number 5. And the king commanded Joab and Abishai and Ittai, saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man, even with Abner. And, gave, and all the people heard when the king gave the captain's charge concerning Absalom. You say, Brother Ryan, what's going on here? Okay, here's the, here's the story. During the reign of David, he had a son named Absalom. And Absalom began to get the ear of the people in rebellion against his own father. There's a lot of detail in there that we could go into to tell you why he hated his father so much. But I'm going to set that aside. It had to do with his sister. His sister being raped by another brother. It's just disgusting. But Absalom hated it, hated his father. He did nothing about it. So he raised in a rebellion, and actually Absalom took the throne of Israel. David was a king in exile on the run from his own son. Broke his heart. But in the maneuvering and in the fighting, David is sent back to the throne. He, he, gets, he retains the throne again, and instead of ordering the death of his son Absalom, he says, listen, Go find him. I want to talk to him. Bring him to me, but don't hurt him. Be kind to my son. I don't care what he's done. He loved his son. No matter what he had done, he loved his son, and he wanted him dealt gently with him. And so that's why it says in that verse that all the captains heard. Joab heard it clearly. You deal kindly with my son. Go over to chapter 18 and verse number 14, just a few verses over then said Joab, I may not tarry thus with thee. And he took three darts in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. You know the story? Uh, Absalom had this long hair. You, that's, where, that's the key verse for preaching against long hair right there. Absalom had long hair, got tied up in a tree. Do you remember the story? And he got caught up in that tree and couldn't get out. It was trapped. And there he hung. Joab found him, and while he's hanging in a tree, helpless, Joab took three darts, three arrows, and shoved them through the heart of Absalom, David's son. He killed him in cold blood. David had expressly told him to deal gently with him, and in cold-blooded murder, he killed David's son. Joab had no love for what David loved. He had no love for what the king loved. My question is this. Do you love what Jesus loves? We live in a day and time when the church is being 
is being cast aside and everybody, nobody want, everybody wants to be religious, everybody wants to be a Christian, but they don't want to go to church, they don't want to have anything to do with an organized religion, and so they'll throw it aside. I mean, I remind you, Jesus died for the church. He died for the people of God. He requires us to gather together to worship Him in regularity. Do you love what Jesus loves? Oh, you may sing, how, oh, how I love Jesus, but do you really love what Jesus loves? Do you love the family of God? 1 John 3, 14 and 15, and we know that we are passed from death and life because we love the brethren. I didn't say like them, but love the saints in the church. Jesus does. What about sinners outside the church? That's the king's passion. Is it yours? Do you love God? Jesus passionately loved the Father in so much that He gave His life in obedience to the Father's will. Do you passionately selflessly, like Jesus, love the Father? You have a deep love and affection for the Lord Jesus. The Apostle Peter said, Apostle Peter said, those who believe, to those who believe, He is precious. Something that is prized and guarded. Something that can't be done without. Is Jesus precious? You see, this is what Joab didn't have. Joab didn't love the things that David loved. Joab didn't live in the presets in which David lived. Thirdly, Joab rejected the purposes of the king. Joab rejected his purposes. Go to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter number 1. 1 Kings chapter number 1, verse number 5. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. And he prepared him chariots and horsemen and fifty men to run before him. And his father had not displeased him in any time, saying, Why hast thou done so? And he also was very goodly man, and his mother bare him after Absalom. This may well have been David's son or grandson. And he conferred with Joab, the son of Zariah, and with Abathar, the priest, and they following Abinadjah helped him. The man that just decades earlier preserved the kingdom of David, helped him get his throne back, was now trying to overthrow him. That's what time does to those that genuinely don't belong in that kingdom. Over time, it goes away until finally they are a betrayer of the very one that they profess to believe. Here, he betrays David. He says, I'll be the throne. We will, I'll have my king, who I want to be king, on the throne. You see, David was old. And he had appointed Solomon to be his successor over other sons, over other family members. He appointed Solomon. But Joab said, that's not what I... He was like the, a lot of those the Democrats. That's not my president. Joab said, that's not my king. I'm going to put my king on the throne. It's not what I want. I'm going to put my king, the one that fits my mold, the one that does what I want. I want him to be king. I'm not going to do it the king's way. I'm going to do it my way. And you may be here in your heart, heart of hearts. These words sound so familiar every time you are confronted with the theological truths of the new testament and what it means to genuinely follow jesus there is a joab in your heart that says not so lord not me i'm not doing that 
It might be hard for everybody else, but I'm going to have my own king. I'm going to make my own decision. The king has mandated certain things in his word to which you have shaken your head and said, absolutely not. Not having anything to do with it. There are things that God requires and demands of us, and that is repentance and faith, a repentance of sin and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And to both of those, you say, uh uh-uh. No way. Nobody's going to rule my life. I've got my own life. I do my own thing. That is exactly the path Joab took. I'm my own king. I don't have to have David as my king. I can have somebody that's more willing to be the way I want him to be to rule my life. King David purposed that Solomon would be king. And Joab said, I'll have none of it. Thirdly and lastly, a fleeting loyalty to the king. A failed love for the king. He didn't love the king. He didn't love his kingship. He didn't love his precepts. He didn't like how he did his business. Everything, even though he was his general, his right-hand man, he did not agree with that king. He had a facade of loyalty and he did not love him. Finally, a forfeited life to the king. This fleeting loyalty and failed love in the end added up to a forfeited life. The judgment is passed on the deathbed of David. And because there was no affection for the things of the king, and Joab would rather go his own path and do what he wanted to do in rebellion against the king, David had no choice. Joab's going to be a plague in your side, Solomon. You need to get rid of him. Out of your wisdom, judgment needs to be passed. David had no choice but to pass an execution sentence. Listen, there is a price to be paid for the road of sin and rebellion against God. There is a price, a heavy price. Joab's going to pay it. First of all, his sentence was declared. That brings us back to 1 Kings chapter 2, verse number 5. Brings us back to the original text. See, all this is starting to make sense now that you know some of the history. What's going on? David's not willy-nilly wanting to just off somebody for no reason here on his deathbed. There's deep-seated reasons why he doesn't need to be around when Solomon is the king. David here gives his son Solomon the command that the graying hair of Joab is not to go to the ground in peace. I want you to go, I want him to go to the grave in a violent death. With one of his last remaining breaths, David's about to die. And one of his last remaining breaths is, you make sure you kill Joab. His sentence was declared. His sentence was was handed out on his deathbed. Listen, this is what will break a mother's heart. You think about it. Joab's mother, if she were alive, would witness the day that her brother the king would sign the execution warrant for her son. The king that she loved so much was now passing a death sentence against her son who she also loved. Can you see this mother's heart being torn apart? In many instances, whether in this church or outside of it, this is exactly what is going to happen. 
If you or they don't surrender to God, if you don't get right with God, this is exactly what's going to happen in that great tug of war between your soul and God's authority. One day it'll end up at the judgment of God in which you'll be cast in the lake of fire if you don't put your trust in Jesus. I'm going to guarantee you that in this tug of war, God's going to win in the end. There'll be no usurping against him. He'll win the fight. The God that your mother, the, the God that your mother loved so much will be done with the rebellion of her son or daughter. Hebrews 9:27 makes it clear. It tells the outcome of this struggle between the hearts of men and women and the hearts of God. And as it is important, a man wants to die. <coughs> and after this, the judgment. His sentence was declared. Notice second of all, his judgment was delayed. Look at verse uh, chapter twenty, uh, chapter two, verse twenty-eight. Then tidings came to Joab. Joab found out about the death sentence. For Joab had turned after Adonijah, though he turned not after Absalom, and Joab fled unto the tabernacle of the Lord. And caught hold the horns of the altar. This is shocking. Joab tried to delay this judgment. He ran to the tabernacle to find cover. Not from his heart, but to save his hide. He heard it was all coming down and he ran to the church to hide. Listen. In the days of judgment, there will be no hiding places. You remember what he says at that great white throne judgment? And the, all the stars and the planet, all the heavens fled away from the face of him that sat upon the throne. The whole universe parts ways and at the great white throne judgment, there'll be Jesus and the sinner. No place to hide. No place to run to. There'll be no retreat. You can't hide for safety. You can't hide behind Sunday school attendance pins or baptismal certificates or ordination papers. You can't, you can't hide behind a family lineage of spirituality. It's just you and God. Matthew 7, 21 and 23. Not everyone that saith me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have not we prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils in thy name, done many wonderful works, and then he will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Did I not rout out the Philistines? Did I not take on the Amorites? Did I not make David the, back on the throne from his son Absalom? I never knew you, Joab. I never knew you, Joab. He sees the heart. He sees the inside. He sees what no one else can see. His judgment was delayed. His execution was delivered. Look at verse 34. One might think that such a sacred place would be a refuge for Joab. Look at verse 33. Or 34. So Benai, the son of Jehoiada, went up and fell on him, meaning Joab, and slew him, and he was buried in his own house in the wilderness. Listen. I'm sure when Zariah held that baby, 
Joab in her arms and rocked him. She had nothing but the greatest of hopes for him. They had the greatest aspirations that this baby one day would become a great and influential and loyal member of David's cabinet. No mother would ever imagine their child would be executed by her own brother in the middle of the tabernacle in front of God and everybody. She would have never dreamed that that would have happened to her baby. And yet, that is exactly what took place. Maybe you're here this morning and your mother held you in her arms and had nothing but the best of intentions, had nothing but the greatest of aspirations of seeing you uh, come to know Jesus Christ and live for the Lord and follow in His footsteps and love the Lord that she loved so much your mother's heart would be broken into a million pieces to find out at the end of life that you'd be cast on the trash heap of eternal torment in hell by the Christ she so loved. By the Christ she so cherished and become a rightful victim of the king's judgment. Every person in this room is a book. You're a book. I'm a book. Every one of us are a book. And when God takes up that book, He ignores the cover and He goes to the content. Have you ever heard the old saying, don't judge a book by its cover? God does not judge your life based upon the cover. He goes down and on the inside sees what's going on. You may be here this morning and you are breaking your mother's heart by your rebellion against God and the greatest gift you could give her is for the child that she loves to be right with the King Jesus that she so loves. If you're here today and you're lost, you may have never been raised in church. I get it. Okay, the jig is up. You didn't have godly parents. You didn't have a godly influence. It doesn't matter. You're coming to a day of judgment one day and you need to believe on Jesus before you end up in judgment. Before you end up in eternal torments in hell. Are you estranged from the King? You may have at one time put your faith and trust in Him, but now, you know, I can't help but think. I can't help but think that if Joab would have seen his failure at supporting Adonijah and came and threw himself on the mercy of David, do you not think David would have forgiven him? His own nephew? Do you not think he would have forgiven him? He ran the wrong way. He ran to a place he thought would give him safety, a religious cover, when he should have ran straight for the feet of David. In repentance, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Run to the feet of Jesus. Come to Jesus today before it's too late. Put your faith and trust in Him. Be reconciled to Him today. Come to Lord Jesus. Let's all stand to our feet, every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, no better day to do that than make peace with God on Mother's Day. That they would make your mother happier. That they would give her more joy than knowing that she, what is it John says, that there's no greater joy than knowing that your children walk in the truth. Why don't you come put your trust in Jesus today? You've got, listen, many of you have got wayward children that are away from God. Get in that back room and pray 
that somehow that God would get a hold of their hearts and bring them to make peace with the King before it's too late. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. I thank you for the Lord Jesus. I pray that he would be exalted in the saving of souls. God, touch hearts. Let us learn from the example of Joab. God, let us come to faith in Jesus Christ, observing the true and rightful King, not only outwardly, but inwardly. Lield our allegiance, our love, our loyalty to the great King David, Jesus Christ. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen.